hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Non-League podcast with myself, John Phipps, and a man whose emotions continue to flip-flop depending on Dover Athletics form, Matt Gerrard. Before we get going, some obligatory niceties, uh, apart from buzzing about Dover's form, how are you, Matt? Yeah, good good job. If I listened back last week when I said we were doing but two wins in four days, has everybody excited and now, looking at my phone last night when I was in the game, I was punching the air and the wife looked at me looking strangely, but nothing changes there. But a win, yeah, and uh, when I mentioned it to my daughter when she wrote this morning, we going, oh, have we turned a corner, Dad? Have we turned a corner? Fingers crossed. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy, yeah. Two wins out two. I'm buzzing. I'm sure in 35 years' time, your your daughter will be still regretting things like this, like waking up at the first thing in the morning and asking if Dover have turned a corner. I mean, that's that's pretty low for a, for a young child, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But she knows she knows what it means. You know, they haven't been doing too well. So, uh, yeah, she should be pleased if they won. But she was she was pleasantly surprised. And I tell you, as we run away from home as well, which hasn't happened in about seven months. So yeah, yeah. So it's good. So yeah, she she's got the bug from me. So yeah. Onwards and upwards now. Tough time to come, but two wins out there. And it's, you know, speaking to a few Dover fans um, today, etc. Everybody's positive and that hasn't happened for a long time. Excellent. And um, am I right in thinking that you're going to be planning an elaborate Christmas light display in the coming days? The, yes, because uh, we've got an extension now. Last year we didn't really have an extension. It was a building site. So uh, the lights will be going up. I think uh, they're going up Friday or Saturday. So, um, I think, and I brought one of those things outside the house. Um, so you can flash lights up to the um, house as well. So, which I'm quite excited about. Actually, brought that a couple of years ago. Then we couldn't do it because of various things. But now it's going on. So a big thing there. But we've got to be concerned because the neighbour down the road who got us onto this. It's a bit of a um, you know, a competition who get the brightest lights. A fox at their table. So they haven't got one. So at the moment we are one nil up on that. So hopefully I've somehow got to protect uh, the cable from the fox. I don't want him to bite through my exuberant. Uh, lights thing so yeah I'm quite excited about Christmas the kids are getting excited now so um, yeah so we're nearly there and I think it's four weeks today's boxing day isn't it so um, yeah 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 I'm, I'm, I'm basically yeah work hasn't gone too well but apart from that you know football too with that too it does perk me up a little bit I must admit, I wouldn't say I'm not ready for Christmas just yet but I'm sat in my uh, in my new office and uh, oh, you've got the office set up me. now sorry office set up now uh, yeah it is but um, I'm just looking at my um my advent calendar, which comes from a, a well-known um, chocolate brand, and it's one that does very many different flavours of its ball-shaped chocolates, if you know the one I mean. Um, but we bought one of those advent calendars where you have to do it yourself and put the chocolates in. So you chose what flavour chocolates you had, and you had to put it in the box, and it still actually sat there with the chocolates in the bag and the box separate. And I've got to make sure that we do that before Saturday, otherwise we'll just be sat there just eating chocolates. Uh, good point. And, and thanks to John, actually bought me a... Um Having calendar because he knows I've got a bit of a sweet tooth, so uh, that was very kind of you, John. So, Merry Christmas to you and to everybody out there. Well, exactly. It's, it, I won't be repeating that at the moment because it's November the 28th. Yeah, thanks. Oh, yeah, but, yeah if we'd have lost, I'd have been sharp. Get right back Christmas. But I'm, um, you know, happy. Well, when she gets, I suppose, Saturday, when it's the 1st of December, anything sort of gets excited. But, uh, you know, I do, the one thing it does want, like these people who put their Christmas decorations up like the 5th of November, they really do need shooting. But, um, and I, we always take ours down between Christmas and New Year because it's just too depressing when you go back to work and you come back and the Christmas decorations are still up so I find that but yeah, yeah but I'm happy now but I've started buying presents as well so all the wife has so we're on the roll Interesting thing I learned actually over the weekend here in, in uh, soggy Eastbourne is that apparently in Eastbourne they have a, 
a sort of unwritten rule that no one puts any Christmas decorations up of any form until after Remembrance Sunday, which I think is actually really uh, a, a nice touch. I think yeah, that's yeah. A, a really good idea. I, I'd like to, yeah, I think that'd pro- that's probably a, said a bit early if you put them on the 12th of November, but apart from that, have they turned on the um, promenade lights in Eastbourne yet? Have you got some no-mark Hollyoaks star doing it? You know, I, you need to find that out if you don't. I, do you know what? I really don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up now. I've actually got two computers in front of me at the moment. Uh, all the fun of <laughs> the fair. Um, but there is a Christmas market starts tomorrow here in Eastbourne, and uh, I do know of a bed and breakfast that has rooms available, reasonable rates if you want to come and see the uh, the Christmas uh, market Christmas in Eastbourne fair. this year. I, I have to say, the German when I went to Dortmund, we went over for the Christmas period, and the German Christmas markets, although they've been taken over here. Knockers to absolute shame. So uh, if you're going anywhere, and, I, and also the Belgian one, I don't know if people have been to the Belgian Christmas markets, and they're really good. So uh, of course Eastbourne's better, but if you're going further afield, uh, yeah, the, the ones to look at. So there you go. Indeed. It's got to be. So you go, I don't think uh, they had somebody at Westwood Cross where I'm close to in Thanet. Uh, I think it was somebody from Only Ways Essex, as I don't watch that program. Um, he was putting the lights, and that was a few weeks, but I don't really know. Um, uh, anything else about them. But the lights are on. But the Broadstairs ones go on this weekend, but there won't be anybody famous anyway. So no, I don't think there's anyone uh, famous turning on the lights down here, but the uh, the Christmas market does start on Friday down here. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much going on. And, and I should also apologise. Last week I said on the show, and I did clarify this with a tweet, that... Um, I'd, I'd met three people who've ever been on Unsolved. I've actually met five and walked past another one in the shop. The one I walked past in the shop was from The Only Way is Essex, um, Gemma Collins. I didn't even know who she was. Um, but I've also I don't met know who she is. Uh, Timmy Mallet, of course. Um, I, I know him. Yeah, and... Uh, Whackaday. And Steve Davis I've also met as well, the sneaker player. Uh, that, uh, in what context? Was that a local sneaker club? Uh, no, it was. Um, when I went to university, I went to university in Preston. There used to be a tournament played up in Preston in October uh, at the start of the year. And um, Steve Davis were playing that. He was still playing. And one year he actually played Jimmy White in the uh, in one of the early rounds. It was an absolute sellout. Everyone wanted to go and see it. And uh, the day before the game, I'm in WH Smith's and someone tries to push in in front of me. And it was Steve Davis. He said, you're not trying to push in front of me, are you, Steve? And then we stood and had a chat for about five minutes. So, uh, really wow. nice fella, actually. Not yeah. at all boring. Another story about W.S. Smith. When I was at university, I used to go in and read the papers. And one time, they actually chucked me out. Because <laughs> I, 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 I was too tight to buy the papers. So, I'd go into Smith, reading from the back to the front, of course, because I was reading sports pages first, and got chucked out. So, I get the low profile like that. So, kids out there, if you want to be provided, nobody buys a newspaper anyway. Do you buy a newspaper? Uh, yeah, f- mainly for business purposes. But yes, I do buy one. I've got the local paper upstairs. Oh, absolutely. I only buy the non but I've been buying that recently, so but I don't buy a paper, though. Yes, I've got chucked out from... Are you actually from, barred from a uh, branch of WH Smith's? Uh, uh, I'll probably get to low. Probably they've forgotten now, but yeah, but I have been, yeah. So but I always always have to snoop around, but too tight to buy the paper because apart from, you know, read it anyway, so, but yeah, I've got banned. So. But you met Steve David... I haven't met anybody famous. I was trying to think of how many people the most famous person I've met. Met Ian Wright and Paul Merfin. That's uh, not bad. Anybody, anybody fam- famous off the telly or um, Mr. Maker? I know. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody. Um, no, I can't think of anybody. I, I, it might come to me if I've met somebody sort of famous, but um, probably only been a sporting context, really. I'd love to be Saga from the bridge, but that's a different story. Your, your life, honestly. Anyway. Yeah. It's our sixth episode this week, a nice round number. So many things I could pick up on here. 
seconds in a minute, minutes in an hour, films, TV, etc. But apparently, my dad retired at sixty. Lucky him. Well, indeed, lucky him. Indeed. Eighty-five, I expect. Yeah. Um, but apparently, it's the number of cards in a deck of in the game of Racco. I've never heard of it, but a quick Google search tells me that one leading online retailer is knocking out what the box says is the classic Rackham and Score card game. For £72.13. Uh, I should imagine it's not on the Gerard Girls Christmas list, though, Matt. No, but there is a game that we played. Um, this might be the wrong planet. Pouquet, where you've got this little string and you've got to bash it through a little gap between... It's like a backgammon board, but you've got a little string and you've got to bash the little discs that look like draft pieces through. Cracking game, that is. But um, no, I've never racked it. No, not at all. I like a, a bit of... I like a bit of Uno and a bit of Yahtzee myself. But, oh, um, no, yeah, we do like a bit of Uno. We've been playing for um, family favourites as well. The kids like that. We need to have to get Mr. Mechanic the oil or something like that. That's a good game. Mr. Maker the TV stove. So, yeah, um, yeah. anyway. Should we talk about football for a bit? So, yeah, because yeah, we've only got half an hour before we've got to go. No, exactly. Well, we'd better rat- rattle through it then. And we've got two interviews for you on this week's show, and we'll start off with the first of them. On Monday, so before Tuesday night's game, I caught up with Maidstone United co-owner Oliver Ash ahead of the big FA Cup tie this weekend with Oldham Athletic. We also chatted about the rest of the situation at the Gallagher, the FA Trophy and 3G pitches. But we started with how excited he is about Saturday's big game. Yes, uh, the FA Cup is a fantastic uh, opportunity for, for everybody to just um, enjoy themselves. There's no pressure. Um, it's the third time in a few years that uh, the club's got to the to the second round. It's probably the best chance we've we've had to to progress. So um, Oldham Athletic, a good side, they'll be favourites, but we'll be. Um, I think we'll all be looking to enjoy the game, uh, whether it's the team, the management, and the fans. It should be uh, it should be a good day out. How much would it mean to you and to the club if Maidstone were to get into the third round? Well, I, I mean, it's uh, it's probably self-evident. It would be a fantastic uh, thing for the club because it would be a good good PR, it would be good money, uh, and it would be great success and, and a feather in the cap of all the all the players and the management team. So, yeah, it would be a great thing, and we'd all get very excited about the prospect of a good draw in the third round and. And what that might mean. So yeah, of course it's a, it, it is very important, and uh, I think inevitably um, minds are, are moving towards that uh, that day, and perhaps they uh, perhaps they did uh, as of uh, as of the end of last week as well. And obviously, you say Oldham. Obviously, I know Harry was at the game when they got through last time, and probably a different proposition from Macclesfield because they are in slightly better form. But as, as you say, there's there's no pressure and absolutely nothing to fear, is there? No, no, there's a, there's, there's no pressure and. Uh, Having said that, I mean we've we've um, we remember the MK Dons from from last season. I mean these these sides from League One and League Two are good sides. They're they're good teams. They're they're, they're highly professional and very talented. So they will be favourites. I suspect they'll be about uh, two. They'll have two chances in three, according to the bookies. I would guess, and we'll be one in three. So we'll 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 settle for that. It's up to us to to turn up and the players to all give absolutely everything they've got. And if we do that, we've got a chance. Are you frustrated that the TV companies haven't come calling? Uh, no, not really frustrated. I think there's a lot of good games um, in, in, in this round. So, you know, it's uh, it's a bit hit and miss. I don't know what the reasons are, but uh, no, not really. It's, um, let's say, they've got some good games. Uh, we're not the only decent game in town. And they always look, I think, for, for games with, with the lowest possible 
um, pyramid team against the highest possible pyramid team. Uh, and, and there's a few more. We're, we're not that many places away from Oldham in the league. So it's perhaps not seen as that exciting. Having said that, as, as you might know, we've got I mean, the whole football focus on BBC is filming from uh, from the Gallagher Stadium on, on Saturday. So we'll have a we'll have a lot of coverage of the club. Uh, and I'm sure as there aren't that many ties on the Saturday at three o'clock, um, we'll, we'll get quite a lot of coverage from the TV. We won't get much money, but we'll get quite a lot of coverage. And obviously the, the fans play a big part, don't they? The Mason fans are always fantastic, but Saturday is, is definitely a chance for them to really sort of get behind the team. Yes, there's a... Um, yeah, absolutely. They, they are fantastic and they, they turn up in great numbers and in great voice um, most of the time. And I think... Um, it seems there's a lot of a lot of interest in the game. We we hope to get three and a half thousand um, for the game, and and uh, I'm sure they will be really up for it and make uh, the stadium as intimidating as possible for for the Oldham team. Uh, generally, looking at the season, obviously you, you made the the big decision to make a change of manager. Um, Harry Wheeler's come in, and and so far he's doing okay. But obviously, you need to get further up the league table, don't you? That would be nice. Yes, uh, we we do need to. Yeah, we're down we're down in the relegation places, and it's uh, it's tough. He's doing very well, Harry, and, and his team, um, the, the Craig and Tristan Lewis. Um, they've brought something new to the club. Uh, they've brought something very professional, lots of, of youthful energy, new ideas, and uh, you know we're we're backing them a hundred percent. And um, it takes time. They've had to rebuild the team completely. We're not the highest budget in the league, as you know. We we. Uh, we're somewhere somewhere near halfway, and so it's a, it's a very tough league. Um, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it um, it does it, it it can't be can't be overstated really. That the national league compared to the league below is a huge step up, and it's one where um, you know money is tight. It's very difficult to to make uh, ends meet in this level. So it's tough for us. It has been. This is the third tough season. Um, and uh, you know, it ain't getting any easier. So it's a hard battle, and we're battling away, and we've got every faith in, in uh, Harry and, and the team. Uh, we have turned the corner. Right? Last Saturday was a, was a blip, a big blip. Um, and, uh, but if you look at the last five or six games, there's been, um, there have been some very good performances, and so we keep our fingers crossed that the, uh, the team and, and Harry and his boys can keep um, pushing forward and not um, sliding back. As you say, it's a, it's a tough league and I've got the league table in front of me. There's some big, big clubs in here. And, and I suppose people, because you've done so well in the last few years, kind of forget that Mason United is still quite a new club, a, a young club, and that you don't have the budget to complete with with the likes of Leighton Orient, Salford, Wrexham, for example, of the top three on that footing. So all you can do is just give your best on the pitch and, and everything you've done so far has been really good. And it's just keep building and progressing, isn't it? Well, that's, uh, that's, very, that's a very, very... Um kind and positive assessment of it yes it's um yeah we we don't there are there are a number of different types of club in the national league there's the there's the old football league clubs with massive stadia and um large traditional followings who probably get pretty good gates and 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 that helps their revenues there are some smaller clubs um and then there's there's a quite a number of clubs whose owners choose to throw pretty massive amounts of money at their club uh, and that's there's a, that's the mixture of that you've got at this level, but it all means. I mean, we're not prepared to do that. We're, we're not able to do that anyway. So we have to make sure the budget balances every year. And although it's tough at the moment, we 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 kind of feel that's the right way of of going. We're trying to 
trying to run the business like any other business and, and we're not in a position to to um, lose money every year, which which the competitors in many cases do. So that's what makes it very tough. Um, and we're, you know, we have to battle away like that. And hopefully we will be able to compete and enjoy cup runs as the sort of spice in a season. And then we'll see when, we, when we've, if and when we establish ourselves in the league, we'll see where we can go forward. But for the time being, that's the, that's the game. Obviously, we're chatting on Monday afternoon. The FA Trophy draw has just been made and, and woking away is probably not the, the ideal tie that you would have wanted in that one. I didn't even know that, to be honest. <laughs> I, I've, been, um, I've been in front of the computer working and not looking at, uh, looking at Twitter for a change. But um, woking away, is it? Well, uh, well, why not? You know, it's the FA Trophy. It's not the FA Cup, so we can't expect Leeds United away. It's uh, woking a decent side and we've got... Uh, We've got connections with them. Uh, I think that'll be. We've had some great games with Woking over the last couple of years as well. Some some cracking games. So uh, no, I don't think that's uh, it's not the end of the world. But for the time being, we're, we're, our eyes are on the league and the FA Cup, and I think the trophy is a is, is a distant non-distraction at the moment. But ultimately, it, it is the best chance you might get to see Maidstone United at Wembley, I, I, I suppose. But it, it, if you are in a relegation battle, it is it, it's probably not the number one priority, as you say. No, it's not. And, and it's true that the, the season is in stages, isn't it? You've got, you know, as long as you're in the FA Cup, that is the absolute focus. And then suddenly, as we found in previous seasons, you do get knocked out. I mean, that, that's going to happen. And then suddenly it's sort of, right, that's finished. Now let's look at the trophy if we're still in it and, and, and see what we do. But um, it, it's really, it is a second competition to the FA Cup. Um, we don't look at it. We'll look at it in January, February, if we're still in it and start getting excited. But till then, uh, yeah, the FA Cup is, we've got an immediate buzz and, and a hope of going forward with that. And we've got a league to survive in and, and pick ourselves up in. So we have other priorities. And just finally, the, the 3G pitch debate seems to have, have gone a little bit quiet so far this season, but it, it, obviously you're still a massive advocate of this and, and still pleased with the one you've got at, at the Gallagher Stadium. And I, and I suppose... The ultimate aim is still that football league clubs may one day see things the way you do and, and accept them into the football league as well. Absolutely. You've, again, you've said it in a nutshell. Um, we are still pushing, but you're right; it's gone quiet. Um, the, I mean, the football league have got lots of other problems to deal with at the moment. They've got um, I mean, there's, a, there's an attack on Sean Harvey's stewardship of the football league. There's a breakaway move from 15 or 16 clubs who want more of the money. Where have we heard that before? Um, so they've got more, you know, they've got lots of issues to deal with. And yes, 3G pitches at the moment are off their agenda. We are, when I say we, predominantly the four 3G clubs in the National League and, and the others in, in South and North. But we are pushing um, and, and we're about to launch um, a, a new sort of campaign, which will, will be sort of launched on, I guess, on Saturday, because there will be some press coverage of the FA Cup match. The idea being that... Um, if the football league don't want to accept 3G pitches for the time being, we have to we have to live with that. But uh, we believe that it would be reasonable to give clubs who get promoted with 3G pitches a grace period of three years, uh, within which time they could change their pitch and not to expect them to find out they're promoted on the 6th of May or the 10th of May and suddenly have to rip up the pitch and, and try and reseed another one and put another one in in a couple of months with, with no real preparation. It's not fair on them. And it's not fair, but it'll produce pretty rubbish pitches uh, going forward in the Football League. So we feel that's a fair 
a fair solution. It would be sensible for everybody and it would be um, a way of introducing those pitches to the Football League and, and, and protecting the interests of the you know, the growing number of, of clubs on 3G in, in the National League and below. It would potentially stimulate um, even further the, um, the, the use of, of, of pitches because, as you probably noticed, since the um, this this um, since the rule came in that um, clubs who got promoted with 3G pitches would get relegated twice from the National League, it's actually put a stop on a lot of development of 3G pitches in non-league football. It's actually gone further down the pyramid. I think it's discouraged a lot of teams who are ambitious from putting them in, and that's a great shame because we've seen all the benefits that they bring, and that's a, that. It really is a great shame. And finally, the the issue with Wembley not being sold and Therefore, less money available for grassroots football. There's not enough 3G pitches. Sometimes people forget that clubs who install 3G pitches provide facilities for all the community around them. And, and we reckon that if mm. the national, if the football league were to accept uh, this grace period to give clubs three years to, to change their pitch if, if they're still in the football league, would bring probably 10 million pounds worth of 3G pitches into communities and, and from with private money. And that's a very considerable benefit as well so yes sorry that's a long-winded reply to your question but we're definitely still pushing for what is a, a sort of sensible way forward of, of, of promoting more 3g pictures in the football league i actually met oliver ash uh, on tuesday night as well matt when i was covering the Mason oh, game against Lovely Eastern. man um a lot more chipper before the game than he was after it shall we say no no sorry. andy i know he does listen to the time. he's given me a recommendation for the tv so uh, I will be getting on to that shortly, so I'll keep you informed of that. But yeah, yeah, I saw the um, difficult uh, game there. Um, they brought a couple of new players in as well, John, um, which are, I know is the, the full-back and Sean Shields, but did, well, I take it, easily deserved to win. Uh, they really did, actually. So they played, uh, they played, well, th- th- what I really liked about them was they built from the back very well. They were very patient in possession. They had three good, strong centre-halves. The wing-backs both got forward quite well. Um in the centre midfield, they've got Danny Hollands and Mark Yates controlling it, and Oscar Goburn was in there. He came into the team last night and uh, on Tuesday night, sorry, and he just got in the way of everything, sat and, and and sat deep. And then Ben Williamson, although he doesn't score a lot of goals, he was a real handful up front. And Paul McCallum got the other two goals, um, simple goals for, for Eastley. And, and I caught up with Harry Wheeler for, in in BBC Radio Kent guys after the game and. He was very, very, very dejected, and, and and rightly so, because they lost Blair Turgut to injury, and to be honest, the performance was wretched at best. They they just never got going, and, and they never really looked like scoring. I, I think a couple of their strikers worked their socks off, but apart from Elliot Romain having the best disallowed goal I've ever seen, um, they didn't really have a shot on goal, uh, Romain or Jake Cassidy. And I put that to Harry Wheeler in that interview, and he said, well, yeah, they but if they don't take shots on goal, they're never going to score, are they? And and you could sense his frustration and, you know, they've got this big game on Saturday and they've really got to pick themselves up for it now. Yeah, I quite like Romain and I quite like Cassidy. They're, they're as I would say, willing runners up top will work for you. But if you look at their goal scoring record, it, it's not particularly high. And there they are, their main two strikers. They've lost a lot of strikers now and Berger, how bad was his injury, John? Is it, is it, I'll tell you, do they take him off as a precaution or do you think he, he's, it's a bad one. I think they might. I think it looked pretty, pretty nasty for him. Actually, he um, he, he went to grounds initially and then tried to run it off a little bit. And then 
went back down on the ground. They gave him extensive treatment on the sideline. And I think they'll be waiting nervously to see how bad it is because obviously Saturday, as we heard Oliver Ash say, there is a very important game for Mainstone from a financial point of view. But if they lose him long term, then they're going to be really, really struggling because as brilliant as he's been this season, there's no one else really supporting him in the goal scoring stakes. And Tony Hudd, who was co-commentating with me last night, kept saying, well, if Blair Turgot's not here, where are the goals going to come from? And on that second half display, that question mark still remains. Yeah, you can't. It's a big, you know, the count in front of them now is if they can beat Oldham, arguably they could do. They've got a third round tie, then you've got loads of money. But do you risk Blair Turgot getting injured again and being out for a month, particularly over the busy Christmas period? It's a difficult one for Maystone that they want to stay in the National League. But yeah, when I've seen, I've seen him once this season, I, you know, against Maxfield, wasn't the particular year. I thought they would struggle to score in open play. They scored from a free kick and from a penalty from that point of view. Defensively, I didn't think they were that um, bad. You know, they were pretty solid. They got a decent keeper in Smith. But yeah, it is a little bit concerning there, scoring the goals and maybe uh, defensively they're a little bit shaky as well. So yeah, interesting. They brought a couple of new players in. I think Wizard can play in a couple. I don't think Sean Shields can. So it um, be interesting how they get on there. I guess an Oldham side who drew last night. So yeah, the only player, real player I know for them, uh, Ishmael Miller was sent off. So uh, he won't be playing, but they've got the likes of Chris O'Grady on the bench and, and Surridge as well at Oldham there. So interesting time, but, you know, would as a Maystone fan, if you said to them, when you get to the third round of the FA Cup and you're going to play, I don't know, Rotherham away, or you get relegated from, from the National League, what do you take? Exactly. That, that is the, the million-dollar question. And Oliver Ash there, we, we should really say, and we've both met him in the last two or three weeks now, haven't we? But a really nice fella. But I think he was um, frustrated as well on uh, on Tuesday evening after the game. And, and there was a, the, the rarest of things, really, a little bit of discontent from the Maidstone United fans, uh, which you don't often see at, at the Gallagher Stadium. But they were pretty unhappy with that performance on Tuesday night. Yeah, interesting. They, they, you know, they, they were you know twelfth man against uh, Maxwell. That's a great stand they've got down there. And they do make some noise. Yeah, you know, as we were saying before last week. You know, I think he's done a decent job there, Harry Wheeler. Brought the players in. Some of the signings. Do I think they're up to the level? I'm doubtful, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on, on that point of view. And it'd uh, be trying to bring players in. And we know from a Dover point of view, it's difficult to bring players in. Um, it's just going to be, you know difficult for them I think now some tough games coming up as well so again would he want an F, would he want a league game on Saturday to get out of that but back to back defeats now eight goals conceded in those two games there is a little bit of concern because they are ensconced in the relegation zone a little bit I think he still has, has work to do and, and my, my thoughts on his recruitment was I think Shields is a good signing I think Wishart's not a bad signing he, he played quite well last night but did they need a left-back urgently? No, I don't think they did. They need a right-back and a goal-scorer more urgently. I'd say Michael Phillips did what he could last night at right-back, but it's not his natural position. And although he did also score the goal, they can't keep counting on him to pop up. And and with McLennan, he, he was doing OK. So I think Wishart is is a good sign, but one they necessar- not necessarily one that they needed desperately. Is that fair to say? Yeah, Wishart had been around the houses, went from um, Sutton to Forest Green for big money. Didn't really work out for him there. Didn't get many games, went back to Sutton. Sutton seem to be changing their squad around quite a bit as well, aren't they? So there's going to be players around about it. Yeah, right back they needed um, after Tumasi went to Maiden and they're desperate for a strike at Coldscore. Absolutely desperate for one, but it, they are not the um, easiest things to get hold of. No, they're not. Uh, elsewhere, well, talking of Coldscore, actually, it's 
quickly talk about Cody McDonald arriving at, uh, at Ebb Street United, but they, they found the goal trail anyway uh, under Gary Hill. They thumped Halifax 4-0 on Saturday uh, before a 1-1 draw at Maidenhead on Tuesday night. Michael Cheek has scored three of those goals as well over the week. Yeah, Michael Cheek, good player. I think um, Gary Hill will give him a chance. He's a goal scorer. said before, I quite like him. If he plays to his strength, they'll score goals. Good, decent return. Maidenhead you know, won at Sutton at the weekend after they've been chipping goals left, right and centre. They, um, a wild draw there. Again, they'll be disappointed they haven't finished in teams off, but that was a good result against Halifax. But I think he's uh, he settled in well, Gary Hill. And, uh, and as he said, there are too many um, backroom stars. Cody McDonald coming in there. Um, he won't become cheap, but he's a goal scorer. If he get himself fit, he should be able to score goals at that level. And some of that side, it's, it's like he must have played up front with Kevin for Jill at some stage. Yeah, definitely. So they would have worked together. So Jill circa 2012, I expect, from there. Um, yeah, but I think uh, he's doing all right. Well, obviously, 10th in the league, eight points clear of the drop zone. I would say the top nine have probably gone away in the National League. The rest are probably playing for it a little bit. But, uh, um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see how he gets on, Cody McDonald. Indeed. Um, Bromley were, were the ninth team in a row to draw with Chesterfield after they hit, were held 1-1 on Tuesday night, having lost to Dagenham on Saturday. And, and I suppose we'd better let him get get off his long run all excited and happy because Dover are now breathing down Mason United's necks at the foot of the table after two wins from their two games this week Hartlepool on Saturday Borenwood on Tuesday night now the latter in particular shows that the Whites are improving under Andy Hessenthaler uh, Matt you're, you've already said you, you, you're feeling pretty high now and, and you believe all of a sudden that you can stay up now well it's still a long way to go but you're only it's better than this time last week if we lost two of these games we'd be 10 points inside the drop zone but now we're only five points, you know, um, outside uh, inside it. So that thing from there got tough games coming up: Eastleigh, Fylde, Barnet, Maidstone double. Then like Norwich. There's some tough games coming up. But yeah, back to back wins. Saturday was good. First half was good. We were holding on a little bit. Second half, um, Stuart Lewis has done a real bit of difference. He's an excellent player, mopping things up. But again, winning Saturday made me a little bit happy, as what I saw you on Monday. On Monday, but. We had to follow up. If we got a draw at Bournemouth, I'd have been overjoyed because it stops the rot. I'm beaten in two. But a win is absolutely crucial. Effie Young scoring again. That's two in two for him. Now he needs to follow that up, get a, go on a bit of a run again when he scored that before. But yeah, but it's pleasing. And it's positive from there. So it's making sure you look at those games over Christmas, John. The Maidstone header is going to be absolutely massive for both clubs. They they could be, you know, it could make or break one of the side season if you look at it. If, if one of the sides does the double over each other. But yeah, it's positive and you know, there hasn't been much positivity at Dover, but they needed that, John. Two back to back wins is crucial. And can we believe going to Eastleigh, your boys Eastley there? I'd take a draw now. And that, that gives us seven seven points out of a possible nine in a week is a really good turnaround when you think we only had eleven points out of twenty games earlier on. And from what I saw last night, you'd be you'd be very pleased with the point against Eastleigh. I said I thought they were a really well set up side. I thought they played really well. They played the ball so patient at the back. They played three at the back, um, but they were they just were happy to just knock the ball about among themselves at the back and, and wait for the openings. And as it was, all three of their goals came from set pieces. So you're going to need to defend well against Mark Yates's delivery, I would suggest. But obviously, only Hessen Tyler will know all about that. So that is kind of in his. Yeah, it'd be interesting sort of reception he gets down there, Andy Hessen Tyler as well. He's already beaten Dover um, once this season. It's the first time Dover would have played uh, a team twice. So that's the thing from there. And easily sort of ended our playoff hopes last season when we conceded two in the last two minutes against them there. So. 
we've got a bit of um, rivalry there. It would be interesting. I'm sure Andy Hestar is going to get absolute dogs abuse, but the best way to counteract that was hopefully bring about home at least a point. And then on the flip side, Eastley are doing very well under their new manager, Ben Strevens. Elsewhere on Saturday, Ipswich go to face Aldershot and Bromley have the weekend off. Obviously, their opponents are in FA Cup action. Uh, learned the FA Trophy draw on Monday as well. You heard Oliver Ash there. He didn't know they were playing away to Woking, but all of our teams got pretty naff draws, didn't they, Matt? Yeah, Ipswich um, got dagged them at home, didn't they? There's a lot of all-National League sides. Bromley at home to Sutton. Difficult one there for Bromley. They'll be desperate to go far in that competition. Again, Dover against Haven. So, uh, where does the trophy line priority for some of these sides? I think looking at the draw, it opens it up a bit because a lot of National League sides are going to go out. So, if you can get it. But again, every one of these sides will probably rather take three points from it. And looking at that, you know, we may have, uh, after getting to the final last year, we may have some of the sides uh, saying goodbye to the tournament 40 years out. Well, exactly. Um Another side who has already said goodbye to that tournament is Dartford, who went out after an epic replay, lost 3-2 against Eastbourne Borough on Tuesday night after a 1-1 draw uh, down here on the Sunshine Coast on Saturday, and I'm sure it wasn't sunshiny then. Um, and Were they dancing was, on the streets of Eastbourne when uh, the last-minute goal went in, do you think? I couldn't get home for, for all the people dancing, mate. Um, and oh, yeah. uh, uh, Welling and um, Dulwich Hamlet drew 1-1 on Saturday. Their replay is on Wednesday evening, so you'll have to look out on social media for the result of that one. And uh, Folkestone also went out to Woking. If Folkestone had won that game, they would have obviously been lining up against Maidstone United in the uh, in the next round. Obviously, back to league action for the Darts and the Wings on Saturday um, as December starts. Um, Welling are at home to Hungerford Town, while the Darts are not playing, actually, because I think their opponents are in FA Cup action, but they do play on Tuesday as they are at home to Torquay United, a resurgent Torquay United under yeah, Gary Yeah, Torquay, they turn it around under Gary um, Johnson, haven't they? Yeah, people think they could get all the way. So, yeah, it's disappointing for the Darts there. Came back 2-0 down against Eastbourne, 2 all there. They've got to uh, go from I think they're supposed to be playing. They've got Slough coming up as well. So, some big games for Darts, particularly at home, they need to... To sort that out, but they're doing okay though. So that's I think that's six out wins, six out seven in the league. But uh, be a tough one against Torquay. Interesting on a on a Tuesday night that game. Yeah, um, in the Isthmian League Premier Division uh, on Tuesday night, it was Whitehawk nil, Folkestone and Victor nil. And given the weather, um, I can imagine, I can only imagine that that was an absolutely filthy evening for all concerned. Uh, that there at the <laughs> at Whitehawk's ground because it's not a nice place to go in the best of weathers. Um, Elsewhere in that division, more woe on Saturday as Tumbridge Angels lost 2-0 at home to Leatherhead and Margate were beaten 4-1 by Bishop Stortford with the excellently quaffered Jamie Cureton scoring two of the goals. Uh, as he got two, did he? I know he got one. He got two. He got two, yeah. but, and Margate fans, as per usual, in the uh, in the middle of the doom and gloom stakes, we should say there. Um, and uh, this weekend, there's obviously... The Margate fan I work with says that both manager, the managers should go. People are saying that everywhere about Margate. They're uh, they're just not happy with with how they're performing, and I think you know they have big expectations. And people are saying there's there's, there's no ambition at the club, um, which is an interesting one to, to say there. And and we'll find out. I mean, they've got a tough game on Saturday. They go to Potter's Bar, who knocked them out of the FA Trophy. Um, they also uh, elsewhere on Saturday it's Folks and Victor against Merston and Tunbridge Angels go to Dorking Wanderers, who also knocked them out of the FA and Trophy. Top of league, Dorking, aren't they? I think they've. Talking still top, yeah. Angels have gone down a third place. They've got a bit of a sticky pitch. You know, you look at their home form as well. 
nine games they've lost four of them and won four so yeah it seems to be a, a few issues there I know um, speaking to Matt Davison who we know from BBC Radio Kent the fans were a bit disappointed with McKim taking off Alex Reid at the weekend but yeah I don't know I have to look back at Angel's form but they seem to be stuck on 20, between the 25 and 29 points Markson's about October uh, John so uh, really disappointing for them isn't it it is indeed, and they they made such a bright start. But I, yeah. I do also remember uh, Matt Davison saying to us at the time, "Well, we haven't played anyone any good yet." Um, and right. I suppose they did make that really really good start, and obviously they've been unable to carry on so far. Um, but they'll be hoping that they can sort of turn it around because you know they've got potential there, uh, Angels, and the playoff place is still very much within their reach. Yeah, I think it is. A lot of sides got games in hand, and they're Worthing, and they've got coming up as well. I think Dorking and Worthing in the next two games. So. so a big early start for December for them. Um, yeah, it's, playoffs are going to be. Do we know playoffs? Is this is playoffs. Is it standard? Is it or is that? Yeah, they're fine in that division. It's the uh, it's it's lower down where there's going to be problems. Right. Yeah, uh, but with, so they've got to get top uh, five in their top five. So um, yeah, you know, not all, not all doom and gloom. I'm sure, but Angels could do with picking up a result, and that'll put down a marker to other sides that they can't really roll over when they play Dorking, which would be tough, and Worthing coming up as well. Indeed, in the Bosic League South East Division, there's two big stories this week. Um, we will start with one of them because we actually have an interview about this story on Saturday evening, just hours after Ashford United's 4-1 home win over Herne Bay. Uh, Gary Alexander says he received a text message informing him that he has been relieved of his duties at Homelands. Um, after a, a little bit of to and fro about statements, uh, on Tuesday, t- uh, Ashford made their appointment of their new manager, and it is former Tunbridge Angels and Thamesmead Town boss Tommy Warlow, friend of the show and friend of Matt Gerrard as of yesterday morning. So here is Tommy Warlow having a chat to Matt. Right, delighted to have on the line uh, new Ashford Town manager Tommy Warlow. Tommy, I know you played for the club there. How did this come about? Because, you know, there's been much... Uh, Speculation in the media as well about Gary Alexander losing his job at the weekend. I know Ashford put a statement out um, regarding his text, but how did it come about you taking over? Um, I've got a phone call on Sunday morning um, from Don Cosby just saying that he sat Gary um, on Saturday night, um, but then obviously told me what happened. And I obviously, you know, wasn't the best way to do things by any means, but. I don't want to get the ins and outs of all that, but the first thing I've done was when I put the phone down to Don was to ring Gary up and have a chat with him because obviously, the one, the way it was done, and two, um, to see what had happened because obviously they've won their last three games. Um, and I, I don't do social media, Matt, or anything like that, so I didn't know anything at all about it until that Sunday morning. And then obviously, when I put the phone down to Gary, um, I went on a couple of websites and I see my name was mentioned and I rung Gary back straight away and asked him if he'd spoken to anyone else. Long story short, mate, I don't know any speculations or whatever, but my main concern was to ring Gal up, have a chat with him, see what was happening and just to let him know that I was going to go and uh, meet Don on the Monday afternoon to have a chat about taking the job on. How was Gary with that? I suppose football's sort of an industry, these things happen. No, listen, mate, he's obviously not happy with the way it was done, which is rightly so, but at the end of the day, Matt, it's got nothing to do with me, so I'm just ringing him up because I've had a phone call like I would if I know a manager, and the chairman rings me up and say, do you want to come down and look at, I'll ring up the manager no matter who and just let him know. 
that I'm going in saying who I know Gary I've got to know him over the last few years and got on with him um, and getting gals 100% not a problem um, and you move on I mean someone if he's, if he's good enough if he's going someone's got to take the job on yeah. and at the end of the day it's a, you know, I'm not going to lie it's a good job it's a good club it's got great potential and obviously I want to go and speak to Don and see I was just praying that I hope nothing had gone wrong where there was going to be budget cuts and this that and the other because since I've left Tunbridge all I've ever done really is gone to pray and kept them up and then left and then at two years at Thames just putting fires out and, and you know trying to get reinvent the club and get the club pushed forward and and I, the next whatever next job I took I wasn't going to I wasn't prepared to go through through that again I wanted something that you could get your teeth into that that looked look like they had ambition off the pitch and had the potential off the pitch to move forward and I think everyone in Kent has got that Did you you know have you, have you applied for other jobs as well or is this the first one that had come no, up to you no not applied for nothing um, because it's only been a month mm. I didn't apply for this mm. you know he's gone phone me so that was a plus for me because I'm like well I mean, listen, it's no secret that, you know, Don, when I left Tunbridge, I only went down to Ashford. Um, but it all, something happened down there, and then Don was banged on the ground, and, and it never happened. But that's five years ago, whatever it is. So I've always had a bit of um, a history with Ashford through playing through them as well. But this was completely, you know, I thought that they were plodding along and doing, doing all right. You know, they've won again, and they're offering money, and then I get a phone call saying that um, they wasn't happy with some stuff, and... They're looking for a manager and they'd like to talk to me. So I'm not stupid enough to turn around and go, no, because I want to get back into it. Um, but Thamesmead's only been about a month or so, so it's not been a long time. I expect some movement to happen around Christmas time or whatever, which normally happens in football. But um, this is obviously um, earlier than anticipated. Yeah, talking about the challenge at Ashford, you know, looking at it, it had a good start to the season, had a bit of a blip, but as you say, Done quite well the last few games as well. What, what, what's your expectations? What you've been told to go in there because it's quite a tough division at the moment, and Cray are running away with it a little bit. Yeah, well, the playoff system's all changed as well now, so you don't automatically go up if you win your playoffs, and so it's a lot harder unless you win it. It's a lot harder to um, to get out. But the league itself, obviously, I've known it for a couple of years now, and it's a frustrating league. But the difference now is, um, you know, my, my audience will change regarding if I want to go and get a player. Like I said, before and we wasn't we didn't have an abundance of money and we got some players in and on the cheap made them good players and obviously once they become good players you lose them and you have to get another one in etc but here I can sort of go and look at uh, with no disrespect perhaps a better calibre of player um, and then when you do that obviously the expectations level change but obviously they're like, they're like any club they're ambitious they want to get up and get out and move on and I do as well but it's all right saying and doing that. You've got to make sure that everything's in place to do that, which is not so much on the pitch. Like I said earlier, you've got to get, got to get it right off the pitch and get the turnstiles clicking and the sponsorships in and the money in, and then it goes hand in glove with pushing the team forward on the pitch. Yeah, you tell me to be players, you know, that people are going to say, like I'm going to say now, that you're going to look to bringing some of the players you've worked with before. Have many of them got clubs since the demise of Thamesmead? Yeah, they all have. They was all, honestly, they were, all, they were all good players. They all, I think they've all got, well, I don't think they've all got clubs. Um, some are pushed on to a higher level. Um, 
and the unfortunate thing is they're all cup tied, so a lot of them are having to sort of stop the start, stop yep. the start. I mean, I speak to Jimmy Mack at Hornchurch. I've seen Bodie over there, one of my players, and you know they've had the Ryman Cup game. He can't play. They've had their play trophy. He couldn't play when he went out. Jeff Cup. He couldn't play. In. So you know, a lot of them are like that. But a lot of the lads. I mean, Danny Danny Parrish went down to Ashford. Uh, the tour of VCD. So they've all got teams. Some are down at Erm Bay and Faversham. So they've all. They were good players. The problem that we had at Tenby was that we had them all injured. We had quite contracted six players and four of them picked up long-term injuries. And I mean, Danny's a classic example. And John Coke, and they just started kicking. Danny hasn't kicked the ball for us, but Coke had one game and then the club went bust. Hmm. So Danny hadn't even kicked the ball for us at the league level. Um, so he ripped his hamstring. So that's what sort of killed us a little bit at Thamesmead as well. But the players we were getting in, I mean, we have bods there. You know, I've got bods to come and play for us, mm. you know. But, you know, I mean, we lost bods. We started losing them again. Um, so that's that become the frustrating part. And I can't blame the players for going because obviously they were going for the better deals. Yeah. And I, I, won't, no, I, won't, I won't blame the players for that. But here, obviously, it's a little bit different. I mean, at the moment, Matt, there's no point in me bringing a load of players. I need to bring some in by the sounds of it because I'm some players maybe who are loyal to Gary Alexander as well but what's the challenge you now when, you, when, you, when will you meet the players tonight this is Tuesday yeah I'm, in, I'm meeting them tonight we've told them to come in tonight just for, for a meeting mm. um, they can hear what, well, listen I expect some fallout I mean the way it was done and everything of course there'll be fallout and if they're loyal to Gary then that's fine and, you know I've got no issues with that whatsoever they're on a contract and they're, and they're really unhappy with what was done and I've not got a problem with that you know, but it's got nothing to do with me. You know, I've gone down there now to try and move on, build a, a team and push the club and try and push on and, and just build on what Gary's left there and he's left it in a good position. Yeah. You know, in the last race, pushed us straight up into the, I think, eighth or seventh or eighth. So, you know, we're going and we've got to, be, you know, we've got to try and carry that on. And if we can do it with these lads, brilliant. But if we can't, I fully understand that too. The good thing, as you mentioned in there, you know, you've been firefighting at your previous clubs. You did a great job at Tunbridge Angels uh, from that point, got them into Conference South. This is a this is a, a better challenge for you to sort of prove your managerial skills at high end with a bit of more money, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, what we did at Cray was right up there with getting promoted with Tunbridge because that was that was dead and buried. That was um, you know what we did over there in the last ten games, winning them all and keeping them up that that was a really massive achievement you know that I think nobody could sort of realise they did at the time but that year for some reason there were so many great escapes that were going on um, it become every week the team had a great escape but what we did over there we were really proud of really proud of but we've never been able to sort of have that infrastructure at Thamesmead because we walked in and there was four players there mm. a whole youth section left um, so it was always a difficult one to go with here I haven't got that. There's no reserve set up. There's a good under-18s at Barry Fuller. And yeah. Apparently, he's, he's got some good lads in. So we'll be talking to Barry. But at the same time, we've got, you know, it looks like we've got the tools to bring a few players in and just get the numbers up a little bit so we're not in a situation where, you know, where we were at Tensby where we had one sub, things like that. Do you bring Alex O'Brien with you again? Yeah, yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I hope he'll be with me. Um, I spoke to Obes. Well, obviously, I run Oaks on Sunday morning, um, and I spoke to Oaks when I come out yesterday after, well, yesterday evening, um, and just said that yeah, agreed to do it. Um, we're going to meet the players tonight. There's no training, but we'll meet them all. 
and we've just got to, you know, like I said, they've gone yesterday. I don't know what fallout's going to come of it, but I've done I've done all I can do regarding since I've known about the job. I've done everything the right way, the correct way, and I just want to move on. And if the lads want to do that with me, I'll be delighted. But if they don't, again, I've never said anything personally in football. I fully understand that. Um, and I'll shake their hands, but we'll have to obviously be a little bit lively bringing players in because if there was only 11 there fit players on Saturday then if a few start going we're struggling for Saturday already so but it is you know the old saying it is what it is and we've just got to address wherever we come into tonight Back in the game Matt we didn't think it would be long for Tommy Warlow did we? No and, and again in that interview he was at pains to say he didn't know anything was going on before he just got a, a call on the Sunday to take the position but we always thought, I thought he might have got the Faversham job. He said in the interview that he hadn't been applied for jobs, but somebody of his pedigree who knows his level and the levels above would always be um, interesting to Ken clubs in the division. So uh, maybe Ashford have looked at it. Um, again, we don't really know what's gone on with Gary Alexander there. Um, the statement came out from the club, etc. Certain things had, hadn't been done. So, But Gary Alexander did a decent job, had a bit of a sticky patch, but seems to have turned the corner. But it uh, be interesting where they go from there. As Tommy said, Will he lose a lot of players from that who were loyal to Gary who came from him from his previous club? But great to see Tommy back in the game. You know, his hunger um, for it is all declaring. Maybe it's a good fit for him, Ashford United, who probably got a bit of money after what he's been, the firefighting he's been doing. So we wish him better, but I'm sure Gary Alexander will be back in soon. And hopefully this hasn't sort of, you know, decent decent league career hasn't sort of um, take it, put him off the management game because I think he's done quite well in the two jobs he's had. Well, indeed, yeah. And Ashford United, I mean, leaves them in, in ninth place in the table. It's been an up and down sort of season. Um, I mean, 20 points from 13 games isn't spectacular. Um, it, it isn't It isn't terrible either. But, you know, he, he will obviously have been disappointed. It, it looks like from all sides it's not been handled particularly well. I mean, you know, you could say um, that the club may have handled it better. But then Gary Alexander doesn't have to go straight on Twitter after after the incident and say, well, this is what's happened. I've been treated badly, does he? No, no, it's the modern game, John. Sound like an old man there, but it is the modern game. Um, from that point of view, yeah, sacked by sacked by text is probably not the best way forward to to, to deal with things. But uh, Ashford have have decided to make that decision, and they need to move on. And we'll keep an eye on Tommy. I'm sure we'll get Tommy on quite a bit because he's he's a good talker, but he's motivated. And, you know, he'd be desperate. You know, maybe his career. We mentioned in the interview there when he took Cry out and kept them up, winning ten games on the spin. He's from that, but maybe, you know, he'd be looking back at the levels of Tumber James when he took them into the National South and had a really good side in that. With Alex O'Brien, he'd be working with there. I'm, I'm sure he can turn it around. Have they got enough? They see there's still plenty of time, plenty of games to go in this division, so he'll be putting down a marker in this for Ashford. And it'll be interesting to see the players he brings in and ones he gets going. Well, they're only two points outside the playoffs. And the other big story... Well, we don't know in, about the playoffs on this, do we, do we? Well, no, but I think there will be the playoffs as normal, but that some teams may not be promoted. That's what's going to happen. Right. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. So you've got something to for, even though it could be pointless. Yeah, one team who certainly don't want to be involved in the playoffs are the team who have the other great news this week. They drew nil-nil um, on Sunday. Did Cray Wanderers at home to Ramsgate. Tom Phipps sent off in that game. But on Monday, they got the news they've really, really been waiting for. They finally have got approval and they will be moving to their new stadium. Uh, Cray Wanderers are finally, after I think it's nearly 50 years actually, 45 years, will be going home. What great news that is, Matt. Yeah, I think all the people who've really worked behind the scenes at Cray, um, 
when I used to go, you know, he's covered them quite a bit for Radio Kent and used to go to Hayes Lane. They're great people. The Tannoy man, we're the funniest man you're ever likely to meet to, to be at a football ground of all sort of the earth. But um, Scary Hillman's done a, a really good job. They've had ups and downs about this, but the facilities at Flamingo, Flamingo Park, I think it is, look absolutely amazing what they're going to have. Real stuff for the community with housing as well. So, yeah, fair play to them. And just, I don't know when the first um, earth will be dug uh, dug up, but uh, absolutely fantastic for them. And uh, hopefully we'll try and get Gary on in the show. But uh, I think he he should be applauded for the hard work he's put in because he could have, you know, uh, this is all worth it. He's probably put a fair bit of his money, his own money into this, but it's all worth it in the end. And I'm absolutely delighted for Gray. And if they can get promoted, which is looking good at the moment, it will be, uh, 2019 will be a fantastic year if they can get those... Uh, Doug. Yeah, exactly. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday, it was East Grinstead 2, Sittingbourne 1. Babisham drew 2-2 with Hastings United after leading 2-0 there. Um, Harry Goodger sent off for the Whites in uh, the new manager's first home game in charge. Uh, Phoenix Sports drew 2-2 as well. They were at Haywards Heath. Seven Oaks were beaten 2-0 by Guernsey. And it finished 10 aside as VCD drew 0-0 with Whiteleaf. Uh, on Saturday, uh, full programme. In that division, so um, it's Guernsey against Hive Town, Herne Bay hosts Three Bridges, Whitstable will go to Horsham, Phoenix meet Ashford in Tommy Warrow's first game in charge, it's Ramsgate against Sevenoaks, Sittingbourne against VCD, and Faversham Town go to play Whiteleaf. We've got to mention, uh, John, Clive Walker, we have interviewed him for the pod, uh, we've done Clive Walker, you know, 57 years in the game, he was Faversham's uh, last game for the club, he's, he's, he's retired now, lovely bloke Clive, and the interview we will have him. Should be on next week's show, shouldn't it? It should be on next week's show. That's correct. It was uh, interesting to chat to him, and and he had some great stories to tell. So hopefully you'll look forward to that one. At Southern Counties East League this weekend, the focus is on the FA Vars. Uh, five teams still standing. One will go through as it's Shep- as it's Sheppard United against Cray Valley PM. Uh, Beersted at home to Staining Town Community, Canterbury City to Southall, and Irith Town meets Windsor, who knocked them out of the competition last year. Ah, uh, Windsor. I've been to. Do we still play at the same ground, Windsor? I've been there a few times. A um, nice part of the world. Uh, do you know where Staining Town Community is? Uh, I think it's I think it's somewhere in Sussex. Um, Southall's Middlesex, isn't it? Yes, um, it is. Yeah, Eris Town against Windsor. So uh, yeah, I would have thought Windsor. I think Windsor got a bit of money behind them. Are they one of these sides that could do quite well in this competition? So it's a difficult game for Eris. But Canterbury looked to bounce back because they didn't have the greatest result in the in the, uh, in the league last week, did they? No, and um, no, they were beaten five 0 at home. I was in the um, Kensington Trophy actually. They were beaten five 0 at home by Chatham. Uh, oh, maybe they arrested a few players in that then. Possibly, yeah. Um, Staining, I'm just looking now, is on the A two eight three. In yeah, I'd say West Sussex, just north of Worthing and Shoreham, so that sort of area. Not far from you then. Not too far. No, the other side of Brighton for me though, so quite oh, a, a, a little bit away. Um, but yeah, now you're Sussex by the sea, man. Well, indeed, yes. Yeah. So, not not the not the cricket team, no. Thanks very much. Uh, not a huge fan of their work, shall we say? Um, but yeah, it, um, interesting games, all of those actually in the in the uh, for those teams. And, and there's no reason why we can't get four teams through. But it, Windsor last year still had um, Barry Hales playing for them, didn't they? And, and I remember we had a conversation about that on the podcast, uh, discussing about Barry Hales and his future um, in the uh, in the game. Jamie Curis is on you, love. Interesting ex-player who's still going at the age of 43 now. So, I don't know if Barry Howe still plays, though. Is he, he retired now? I haven't heard much of him, actually. He's still Maybe listed I'm, on the squad list on uh, on Wikipedia. Yeah, no, I haven't been by I've been too, too depressed to buy the non-league paper. Normally, every other 
month as an interview with him. So uh, maybe I'll have to, if we will on Saturday, I'm definitely buying it. So uh, maybe I'll, I'll look out for him in that. Fixtures on Saturday in the scaffold as well. Um, we've got Chatham Town against Corinthian, Deal Town against Tunbridge Wells, Glebe against K-Sports, Lordswood against Fisher and Rustall against Holland and Blair. After last week, as we said, um, a lot of those games were in the uh, Kent Senior Trophy um, uh, over the weekend. And, and yeah, Canterbury City's game, they lost 5-0. It was a strong Chatham Town side, that one. Uh, there were a few games in the league. Dan Bradshaw... Glebe beat Punjab again, I see. 1-0. Yeah, they did. Glebe, Glebe did the double over Punjab. Uh, also, Sheffield United a hat-trick for Dan Bradshaw as they won 4-3 at Crowborough Athletic and Deal Town with 3-0 winners over Irith Town as well there. Um, and Looking on that, John, Deal Town. Have I mentioned Steve O'Brien? I played football with Steve O'Brien. He said I was probably the worst player he's ever played with. Wow. Um, lovely bloke, Steve O'Brien. I, I know his brother, Paul, who used to play for Dover. So, lovely left wing. And he, he had all sorts of knee problems uh, uh, Steve O'Brien, but he was a good little player, really sharp left-footed player. He used to play five aside with him. I'd give him the ball; he'd cause damage. But uh, most of the time, he would just laugh at me. But I'm really pleased with Steve O'Brien banging a couple of goals in. He's a bit of a normally plays left back, but I think he's been playing on the wing and he's banging a few in. So uh, well done, It was more of a wing back when I saw Deal in the Vars earlier this season. So uh, yeah, but he looked he looked a bit of a player um, yeah. in the Scaffold Division he's One. Losing his hair, though, which is the funniest thing. He's probably how many people look. I'm slate him now, you know these people who've got that sort of old Alan Shearer look with the little thing there. He needs to shave it off. So if yeah. you're listening, Obi, shave it off. Um, in the Scaffold Division One, Wellington Town drew four-four with Lid Town. They came from three-nil down and and then uh, pegged it back to three-three. Then fell behind again and last-minute penalty. But after that game, despite being top of the league still, uh, they parted company with manager Richard Dimmock, which was a, a surprise happening well, the same, same day as Gary Alexander's departure. And and people are a little bit. Um, bewildered by that one as well with it saying that recent results performances and other things off the field were not quite going as, as the club were hoping which is a very very surprising decision Matt well, well I didn't even know that you know top of the league 47 goals 17 games and the results haven't been too good from, from that point of view interesting we've had him on the show didn't we we had the owner, did, the owner yeah. on the show we? yeah so um, Dimmock he, he was a decent player at Scaffold level as well interesting who takes that gig on? That'll be one to see. Will, will it be somebody who's managed to hire up? Or will they promote with him? We'll have to keep us informed on that. Maybe Gary Alexander. Maybe it's a chance for him to go in there. Well, indeed. We should keep an eye on that one. Other games in the in the league on Saturday. Brighton Ropes were 5-0 winners over Meridian VP. And Lewisham Borough beat Snodland Town 3-0. Snodland Town also had a change of manager this week. Um, as they sit at the foot of that table. They've been uh, struggling very much so. Um, the fixtures in the Southern Counties League Division 1 on Saturday are FC Elmstead against Snodland Town, Forest Hill Park against Phoenix Sports Reserves, Greenways against Irith and Belvedere, Kennington against Holmesdale, Lid Town take on Sutton Athletic, Rochester United meet Lewisham Borough and it's SC Thamesmead versus Stansfeld. Um, that's pretty much it for your Kent non podcast this week. Are you going to be alright going all the way to Southampton this weekend or near Southampton? <laughs> Yeah, I've been there before, but I'll be on my own though, because uh, the place Jason now goes drives the team coach full of the kit. So uh, yeah, I'll be going. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be very nice weather. My only concern is I get halfway down and it cooled off. But um, hopefully, yeah, but no, I'll go more upbeat than I would have done if we'd lost the last two, John. So uh, again, eating not my favourite club in the world, um, but um, yeah, we'll go there full of confidence. And uh, yeah, yeah, but and yeah, so I'm, I'm well, I'm looking forward to it. As long as it's not chuck it down all the way, which probably going to do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I 
don't think I'll be going anywhere at the weekend, but you never know if, if something ha- happens later on. I've been busy... So you need to buy another computer for your office, John. I'm only having two. You need at least three. Well, exactly. I'll be busy being being and trying not to burn the toast like I did last Saturday or spill coffee all over the place as I did on Sunday mornings. It's, it's been going great so far. No, but it has been absolutely fantastic. We're both tired, but we are really, really enjoying ourselves. Um, all it really remains to say is that we can find us on social media at Kent NL Podcast on Twitter and on Facebook at Kent Non-League. And uh, if you want to get in touch, just send us an email. It's johnphipps81 at outlook.com is the best way to reach us that way. And um, we always love to hear your comments. Um, and thanks to Oliver Ash for giving up his time to chat to us. Thanks to Tommy Warrow as well. And good luck to him at Ashford United. Good luck to all of our teams in the FA Vars this weekend. And of course, Maidstone United in the FA Cup. And we, Matt Gerard and myself, will be back with you next week on your Kent Non League podcast. Thanks for listening. I sound better when I'm positive, don't I?